This is WSFI Spotlight, a conversation with Catholics living in the light. Hello and welcome to this special episode of WSFI Spotlight. I'm your host, Angela Tomlinson, and our special guest is... Dr. Janet Smith. Dr. Janet Smith is a retired moral theologian who has taught at Notre Dame University, the University of Dallas, and Sacred Heart Major Seminary, where she served as the Father Michael J. McGivney Chair of Life Ethics. She has spoken and published books and articles on ethics and life issues. She has served on several church commissions and writes regularly for the National Catholic Register. And with us also in the studio is Bonnie Quirk of Lake County Right to Life and Ann Oakley. So welcome, Dr. Smith. Oh, thanks for having me on. So you've been very busy. I'm looking at this. It says when you signed it, you said you were tired and retired, but not down and out. That's your signature. Yeah, I added another one. I didn't put it there. It's a, there's life in the old old dame yet, I guess, is the other one. <laughs> <laughs> there's life in the old dame yet. Dame. Yeah, yeah. It's from, from one of my favorite poems. Yes. I, yes. Re- I received an email from Carmel Communications that mentioned that you were drafting a letter to the bishops. What are you asking the bishops to do? Well, we have the, the letter up on our website that's weareaneasterpeople.com. Weareaneasterpeople.com. And in that letter, we're trying to, and we have an accompanying uh, larger statement called the message uh, to our bishops, where we're trying to uh, get them to see that we want to cooperate in every way, of course, with all the all the things that we can that are, are put in place to slow the spread of the coronavirus. We're all very concerned about that. But we think that uh, the strictures are being misapplied to some of the things that are involved in being a Catholic. And we think that the world doesn't understand why these things are so important to us and that we really need our bishops to make the case for us and not just to sort of roll over and deny us access to the sacraments. Uh, Some people think our desire is kind of selfish, where we want to put other people at risk in order to have our quirky sort of religious needs met. And I want to say, no, that's not it at all. We, we first have to start with some fundamental understandings. One, one is that our country allows practice of religion, free practice of religion. And it does so not because it's honoring people's quirky tastes, but the founding fathers thought that religion was absolutely essential to a democracy. Uh, that you had to have religion because people it made people better people. And not that they were necessarily believers themselves, but they said that if you want to have virtuous people who do the right and good thing, it, you need to foster religion, not squash religion. So we consider, we can, Catholics believe that we're here on the face of the earth in order to worship God, in order to become closer to God, and that the sacraments are means that help us do that. And not just again for our own salvation, our own perfection, but to help us to be better people, and better people are better citizens, they care for people better, etc. And we pray for other people, and we really believe that God will give graces through our prayers that will help other people. So our prayers aren't aren't altogether self-directed, they're really directed to make us better so that we can be better for other people. We've been denied, for instance, uh, going to Mass on Sunday. And we understand that. We're not talking about trying to put, some people seem to think I'm talking about putting 5,000 people in a in a space that holds 250. <laughs> mm-hmm. I want to say, no, I, I, I make it perfectly clear in the, in the letter, but apparently people aren't reading it, um, where we say we're talking about things like a car parking lot masses where people go in their car. They go from their house into the garage, into the car. 
They drive to the parking lot. They park in the parking lot. They sit in their car in the parking lot while the priest says mass at an altar that's erected at the end of the parking lot. He could even see, say mass in the church and have it broadcast out to people in the parking lot. So we're in our cars. We've stayed in our cars. We get we drive back home. We get out of our car and we go into the house. Now, can anybody tell me how we are endangering uh, people by doing that with the coronavirus? This is much more protection than people have when they're going out for their daily walk. I sit at my window here and I'm just seeing dozens of people walking by and they're being careful. But we're not even we're not even getting in, in contact with other people. We're staying in our car. And people say, well, why, why, why bother with that? Why bother with that? Just stay home. Just watch the mass on TV. I said, well, you know, that's, that's, again, that's not who we are. Um, we're people who are in love with Jesus Christ. We're people in love with Jesus Christ in the sacrament. We believe he's right there. We believe that that host is Jesus Christ himself. And everybody wants to be close to the person that they love. Uh, we want to be close. Uh, and if we, beautiful picture on the internet of a, uh, the closed um, Holy Sepulchre Church in in uh, Jerusalem and it's closed and there's a man sitting on the, the stoop with his head against the door and someone put on my Facebook page well that's just sort of a, a kind of an obnoxious show of piety show of piety I said no it's not that at all it's a heart that wants to be as close as he can be to his savior and so that's who we are we want to be there we don't want to endanger anyone we don't want to be endangered but we want to be there uh where jesus is coming to this world and again it's unleashing an infinite number of graces upon the world so what what objection is there to that and it seems to me that i was told by um a priest that he'd asked his bishop if he could have a parking lot mass and he said no and the reason given was that the state uh, considered is outlawed all large public gatherings. I said, well, but the spirit of the law is to keep people from being too close to each other. And the, um, the parking lot mass is not violating the spirit of the law. Has he called the attorney general? Has he called the bishop? Has he had his lawyers call them and ask them if we can have this parking lot mass? It seems like we're just rolling over um, and, and just allowing our our religious liberties to be violated and not making the case that we should make that these it's not like canceling a football game it's not like canceling a music concert you are taking away from people the very thing that we find most effective for fighting the coronavirus and the reason the very reason we're on this earth well i mean that is so well put mm. so you know we we've offered here in the archdiocese of chicago to do precisely that, to broadcast it in a parking lot, and the priest could either be in the church or on the portico. But, you know, I think, just personally speaking, there's not an appetite here to really do anything. I mean, I think the appetites just shut everything down. I guess baptism, we're not allowed to baptize our children unless there's an emergency, Bonnie. What was the rule? If there's an emergency, then you can contact the bishop and get his permission. I guess we have to set up a hotline number so we could call, uh, and that wouldn't make an emergency child die. Uh, yeah, we're supposed to call for permission uh, for a there's, priest to baptize. A, uh, there's been an unbelievably extended <laughs> debate about that very point on my Facebook page. Oh. Uh, 
a woman who used to work for Cardinal George and has seen the documents that were put up by Supic, she thinks they're being misread. And that um, when he said there has to be permission given for an emergency baptism, he didn't mean a child who was um, near death. He meant that perhaps the grandparents of the the child wanted to be there when the baby was baptized and they're saying it's an emergency because they might get the coronavirus and they want to be there for their baby's baptism. And so he's saying that's what you need permission for. Now, if that's what the, and she said, it's not, she said a few lines taken out of it, she says, would make you think that he's meaning any emergency baptism, but he says he's writing it to priests who know perfectly well that they can do emergency baptisms without his permission. Perhaps more verbal in uh, correcting, not on Facebook by somebody else, but perhaps he would be more verbal within his archdiocese on exactly what was meant, if it's oh, I, misinterpreted. It, I agree with you completely. It, mm-hmm. it seems to me it, it's so easily put this this question to, if if I were Cardinal Supich and I had someone out there saying that priests had to call me to do an emergency baptism, and that's not what I meant and that's not what I said, I, 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 you know, you have highly paid communications directors and you say, let's sit down and formulate this and let's put down and say this just right and get it right and get it out there so that people can't be attributing this ridiculous position to me anymore. I don't know why he's not bothering to do it. It's a very simple thing. Perhaps because he said it. <laughs> it could be because he said it any minute. That's you're, you're exactly right. And it's hard to con- it's hard to conclude otherwise. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Dr. Janet Smith. And Dr. Smith has an open letter to the bishops that you're circulating. How can people see what's in the letter, Dr. Smith? They go online to our website called uh, We Are A-N and Easter People. We Are an Easter People, all one word, dot com. We Are an Easter People, dot com. And they can sign it it there. and Dr. Smith, what do you hope will the outcome be of this venture if you're successful? Well, again, some part of our outcomes is being achieved right now, which is to um, have the media take account of this and for them to help us get the word out to the bishops that we don't think that, um, and we, we don't want this, this, we're not seeing this as another opportunity to um, jump on the bishops and say you're lousy bishops and you're not doing your job. We're, we're trying to do this in a very, if you read the, the letter and you read the message that we wrote that accompanies it, uh, and, and we are speaking from the heart. We're trying to, to um, appeal to our bishops and inform them about how the laity are thinking about these things. And I would say that, you know, we say what I hope to accomplish, the word hope you can put to quotation marks around, but, you know, we Christians are believers in miracles. And I'm hoping uh, that we'll, the, some bishop somewhere will say, thank you. Uh, thank you for writing this. Uh, this really helps us. Uh, we know it's, we're hard to communicate with. We know that if you made wrote letters and emails and called us, we might not get them for weeks. But doing a public petition like this and uh, having people sign it, uh, it got our attention. And we realized that we do need to be 
uh, listening to you and hearing what your concerns are and trying to meet those concerns. And again, if there's a, if you really want the mass and you want a parking lot mass, doggone it, we're gonna do everything we can that you have that. And of course, the, the, the group that we're most concerned about, not ourselves, the ones we're most concerned about are the sick and dying in the hospitals who are being denied the last rights, right? Uh, and that, again, that's another religious liberty um, concern that these people, a lot of them, have been faithful Catholics their whole life long, and they have been praying that at the at the end of their life there will be a priest who will do an anointing, and some of them, are, and even those who aren't dying that but who are sick and may die, uh, the the sacrament brings healing graces, and the only one who can anoint the sick is a priest, and it, again, it's not like taking a uh, bouquet of roses to the person. It's not like taking a teddy bear to console them. It's taking a sacrament, a sacrament that gives them strength to endure what they're enduring, and a sacrament that opens up the gates of heaven to them. So first of all, we have to understand what's being denied, because people are treating, again, just like they treat religion as quirky. They're tre- treating the our desire to get the anointing of the sick. Well, isn't it more important that their daughter sits beside them? As you say, actually, it's not. I mean, that's important too, but the anointing of the sick is the most important thing. And you want to say, well, okay, how can we do that? Well, we can, priests, chaplains now, many chaplains are trained to use um, personal uh, protective garb. More can be trained. If there's a shortage of them, again, then that has to be a real, really, down-to-earth talk about is there any way of getting to this patient without jeopardizing uh, the the priest and the other people in the hospital but there are there are factories churning out uh, equipment of all kinds and we can only hope that at some time there will be sufficient um, equipment for everybody who needs it including Catholic chaplains and that they will be given permission. And if there's the hospital says that he can't come, then the, again, the bishop, I want the bishops to be saying just what I just said right now. We want them to have this sacrament. We're gonna be doing everything we can to get it to them. Um, we're gonna be doing what we can to encourage more production of a personal protective equipment, getting more priests trained uh, in uni- in using it and seeing if there's any other, if there are, are there any other solutions to this problem? Are there any other solutions? If you put the, the patient behind a, a glass window and just like babies and little incubators and you have a, a, a you know, a hole in it that's got rubber and all you're doing is put, putting your, your gloved hand into that with the oils at the end of the thing and you can wear gloves. Those are done to ensure that there's no transmission of any germs. Can't we do that? I mean, I'm, that's, I'm not, you know, I'm not a medical specialist. I'm not a medical equipment specialist, but I'm sure there's really brilliant people out there who can uh, come up with a, a solution. So that's what we want. We want the bishops pressing this, pressing the uh, uh, hospital officials to permit it if it can be done safely. All right. Again, we're not saying they should open their doors and say any bishop, any priest who wants to come in and talk to or anoint a patient is welcome to come. We're not saying that at all. But we want those sacraments provided for people, if at all possible. And Dr. Smith, you mentioned in, um, I'm just looking at this article that I, I received, you were saying that the sacraments are the spiritual PPEs <laughs> for us. I love that analogy. Could you explain what you meant by that? Yeah, well, it's also one of those phrases we came up with. The sacraments are the spiritual, personal, protective equipment of Catholics. Um, as, as I said, we 
there is an assault in this world uh, against souls, uh, trying to get souls into looking at pornography and sexual trafficking and being greedy and selfish and lazy. There's a, a devil prowling about the world seeking the seeking the ruination of souls, right? And so, um, sorry, um, so to protect ourselves against that, to protect ourselves from being lazy and selfish and greedy and hoarding things, and um, we need the sacraments. They are our personal protective gear against all of the evil in the world that's trying to get into our souls. And as we protect again ourselves against that, just as if the just as the doctor who uses this to protect himself so that he can attend to more patients, we need the sacraments to keep us from being lazy, selfish, stupid, greedy, watching pornography, watching too much Netflix, etc. That will enable us to serve our Lord and bring in the kingdom uh, preferential option for the poor, all of that. Um, helps us to do all those all those things. And you meant you, I love your quote. You said there's something terribly wrong with a culture that allows abortion clinics and liquor stores to remain open, but shuts down places of worship. Right, right. Oh, it, it it's just so it's so appalling that uh, a place that kills babies is allowed to remain open, and a place that prays for the sick and the dying and really believes that we are getting graces that are actually going to to help that happen. I mean, our Savior Jesus Christ, He made the blind see, He made the lame walk, He made the deaf hear. Right? He multiplied the loaves and fishes. His disciples healed people by just walking by them and shouting out at them to be healed, right? We can do that. It, it's We're not saying give up medicine. We're not saying that at all. In fact, we think that medicine is a gift from God. We think doctors are a gift from God. All of these things are things that God has given us. And But those are more on the natural plane. These are natural gifts that God has given us. But he's also given us supernatural gifts. And it would, it's just so foolish for us to use sort of the more plodding um, natural gifts and not make uh, every effort we can to unleash uh, the supernatural gifts. Well, you know, Ch uh, Dr. Smith, uh, the fact that abortion clinics have been uh, uh, classed as an essential service, but the church is... I guess not an essential service is really appalling to me um, uh, and I understand uh, the concern but uh, you know you render to Caesar that which is Caesar's and to God what is God's and um, in my own thinking our bishops are denying us our ability to really adore worship translate into the public and that's not to lessen any concern about the virus but uh, I, I think there's been a terrible misunderstanding here and a denial of, uh, of sacramental actually a denial of the duty of the bishop to feed his lambs and sheep yeah I it looks like that to me I wrote an article um, a week and a half ago where I talked about them being missing in action. Where are they? I mean, um, again, most of them are doing a live streaming their mass on Sundays from the cathedral, and most of them have put out some sort of sympathetic letter about how hard it is in this uh, time of the coronavirus, and that's all to the good. 
all to the good. Um, but they're not getting on. They're not um, fighting for us. They're not fighting for what we uh, might legitimately be able to have without threatening anybody's health or well-being. And you know they're sort of going along without protest. I mean, they need to protest that this is essential. It's got to be top of the list of things that are restored. Is the right um, is the right to worship? And again, I'm not talking about squeezing 5,000 people into a church that holds 250. I'm talking about driving to a parking lot and allowing the priest to have an altar at the end of the parking lot and say mass for us. Uh, that's and, and and bishops are voluntarily not doing that. No one's, and I, you know, they're they're denying their priests uh, doing that. You know, I've I've been reading that evangelical churches have, have bought out all of the um, whatever some radio transmitters that they're using to transmit their services uh, into cars. And I have a, a picture of, of a, a great big field filled with cars that are six feet apart. There's no reason cars have to be six feet apart. You can't transmit it through the through the a car a car to the outside. But okay, we've all got this this idea now that you have to be six feet apart from any other human being, even if that's partons behind, per, that person's behind a steel fortified vehicle. All right, so they're all parked about six feet apart. And they're not getting out of the car. They're turning on their radio and their service is being transmitted. Now, you know, if if evangelicals can do this, why can't we do it? You what know, is I, it about us that is saying that, that we can give this up? I, I don't get it. So, Dr. Smith, we have 95 parishes in our listening area. And if there's yeah. any parish with any priest that wants WSFI to come and broadcast their mass... We'd be happy to do it. We could broadcast the mass. They would be in their parking lot for if they want to fill their parking lot up with cars. They could just turn on eighty-eight point five FM. And if I had to go every hour on the hour, especially in Easter, and broadcast each mass to each parish, that would be the greatest Easter of my life. So if there's anyone that's listening there that wants to take Dr. Smith up on her concept of having a mass being broadcast from the church to their parishioners in their parking lot, our number is 224-206-8455. I hope the phone is ringing off the hook, pastors and priests, 224-206-8455. So Dr. Smith, are there any examples of bishops who are doing some good things and innovative things out there? Yes. Um uh, in my very own diocese. Tomorrow there's a whole day of um, prayer and fasting that the, the bishop has called for. And it's a very clever, um, satisfying way of doing things. They, I think they're having seven or eight events during the day. And they start with a, a morning of um, morning prayer. A lot of people have never done morning prayer. It's an opportunity to morning prayer at the cathedral. Uh, I don't know who's leading it, but some priest is leading morning prayer. And then then they're going to another church, and I don't know what's next, but I think it might be uh, Alexio Divina. Somebody is leading, um, you know, Alexio Divina reading of scripture. A lot of people have never learned how to do this. This will be a great opportunity. Then later in the day, they're going to do the Chaplet of Divine Mercy, and the bishop is saying the prayer and um, mass and live streaming it. And then they're going to the um, Mary Mother of the Eucharist uh, chapel, which is just mind-blowingly gorgeous. Uh, I think they're doing evening prayer there. I think as well during the day somewhere else, they're leading the rosary. So in one day, in one day, you're going to get morning prayer, uh, chapel of the divine mercy, uh, rosary, Lexio divina, 
um, mass, evening prayer. Uh, I don't know what I've left out, but it's extraordinary. And it at however many there are, I think it's a if there's seven different event, events, there are at six different places. I think. I think it's uniting the diocese in just a beautiful way and introducing people to things that they may have never experienced before. And I think, again, it shows a heart for people who are saying, you know, we're not leaping up and down that we've been dispensed from going to Mass. (laughs) We're not saying, yay, I get to watch one more Netflix something or other. We're saying, ouch. Uh, I I need that to keep my my spirit and faith alive. And the bishop is saying, well, I'm not saying this is as good as going to mass, but we we have as Catholics we have all these resources. So I'm very impressed with that. Who is your bishop, Dr. Smith? Uh, bishop Boyer in the Diocese of Lansing. Oh, Lansing. Okay, beautiful. Mm-hmm. I beautiful. So, are there examples of decisions that are concerning you? Oh, yeah, most of them, actually. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's very sad, but uh, Bishop Tobin, and, or Cardinal Tobin, he's he's forbidden virtually anointing of the sick and baptism, and uh, I think there's a bishop in Springfield, Massachusetts, that has uh, forbidden baptisms, and uh, it, it just, it, it, and, you know, we're hearing anecdotes about priests who have been forbidden to do this and forbidden to do, to do that. Uh, I, I just don't get it. You've got, and, and the priests have been wonderful, it seems to me. The priests, not all priests, I mean, but there's enough priests out there that you can come up with a, a, a long list of really innovative, clever ways of, of meeting people's spiritual needs. And I just haven't seen the same energy and um, zeal for administering to the, the faithful among the bishops. What I'm and I've afraid seen some of. very bad things, some very bad things. I'm afraid, Dr. Smith, that when when the virus dissipates and the churches reopen, we will be a smaller church. People will be used to not going to Mass on Sunday and uh, may not come back. Okay, just to make a correction, it is Cardinal Tobin. Cardinal Joseph Tobin, it says here, the Diocese of Newark, on March 25th, said the Sacrament of Reconciliation is suspended until further notice with the exception of an extreme emergency. Um, A Bishop Fabro in London, Ontario, Canada, um, said that all confessions are canceled except in the danger of death. And he said drive-through confessionals are simply not acceptable. Archbishop Charles Thompson of Indianapolis uh, issued a directive that says that individual confession should be postponed unless it is requested by one who is in imminent danger of death, adding that for all others they are be asked asked to be, to rely on perfect contrition. Now I went to um, confession recently at my parish, and the priest was standing on the grass outside of the church, and they had written they had chalk on the or paint on the ground and on the ground on the sidewalk every six feet. And so we were lined up six feet apart, and no one could hear um, what was being said to the to the priest. And it was so beautiful again. As, I mean, that, it, confession is beautiful anyway to see all of us penitents lining up to admit that we're miserable sinners. And um, you know, we go into this, go talk to the priest. And I thought about all the people driving by, seeing people, and say, "What? What are you lunatics doing out here?" You know, and it's an it's a moment for evangelization to say, "This is why we're here, uh, and this is what we do, and this is why we do it." There's just I just can't. And I've seen priests. One of our local priests has has made this really nice red uh, curtain of some kind that he has hung up on uh, something that allows him to sit in a chair 
and uh, someone to drive right behind that. He'll never see who they is. They roll down their window, and they're six feet at least between him and that person, and they say their confession. So anonymity is preserved, and um, confession is being being delivered. One one priest told me, oh, no, one friend of mine told me that he went to a local parish where that was being done, drive up confession. He said he had to wait three hours in the car. And he said it was one of the best three hours of his life um, because it just drove home how important the sacraments are and thinking, why would, what would make me want to give this up? You say, I didn't know, I didn't know how much I wanted it. And you, you're talking about people losing their faith and I'm very concerned about that. And again, that's one thing I think that the, the bishops should be doing is getting online and saying, don't lose your faith. Just because, again, you're dispensed from going to Mass doesn't mean that you shouldn't be doing something spiritual to, to fortify your faith. But I also know those, I, I on Facebook, someone put up the question, well, what do you, what's the first thing you're going to do when you, when the quarantine is lifted? And these people are saying, going to Mass, going to Mass. Now I'm going to go to daily Mass. I, I'm going to at least go a couple times a week because I've realized that I've been taking it for granted and I don't want to take it for granted anymore. So it's had that salutary effect for, for many people is to say, I had no idea how central to my life um, Eucharistic worship, meeting Jesus Christ in the Eucharist at the liturgy, how essential that is to my life. And honestly, meeting it in the other people who are there. That's another thing with going to a parking lot is there's all these other people in the parking lot. It's, it's a weird thing to do, to go in a, a car to a parking lot to, to worship. And it's weird that we worship, you know, bread and wine turned into the body and blood of Jesus Christ, our Savior. But you, it, we're weird people, and we believe all we, we believe all this stuff. It, it's incredibly sensible to believe all of this, but in, unless you know the deeper reasons for it, unless you know how God operates in this world and how He prepared us, I mean, through the Israelites and all their exiles and everything, and when He sent Jesus and everything, it sounds just on the face of it, it's a bizarre thing. Um, and then you find out that some of the most brilliant people on the face of the earth have and do believe this. And so it's not something you have to be stupid and superstitious to believe. It's really the most brilliant people who are the among among the strongest believers. But so there we are. And if I go to a parking lot, I see all these other people. I'll see some of my friends that I haven't seen for days and days now, weeks. And I'll see them in the car and I'll wave to them. And I know that we're all there because we love Jesus. Saying this is incredibly fortifying uh, of my faith to to see this. I'm I'm going to go home and watch it on the internet because I've discovered some masses that I just totally love to watch and participate in. And it's not going to be as satisfying in that way to be in a car, but it's going to be more satisfying in the sense that I'm in greater proximity to the Jesus that I love. That's so beautiful. You know, I'm just looking. Someone texted me and said that there's a Saint Stanislaus Catholic Church in Milwaukee that is doing what you're talking about with the drive-up confessions. Mm -hmm. I've been told that we're not allowed to do them in the Archdiocese of Chicago, but I haven't seen that myself. But I've been told they're forbidden here in uh, Chicago. But evidently, St. Stanislaus has the drive-up confessions. And I know there's been several churches where the pastors have told us that the Archdiocese of Milwaukee, they're still hearing confession. I don't know of any instances that have been reported on the Archdiocese of Chicago as far as being able to go to confession, doctor. So if I'm wrong and you're listening out there, if your parish has confessions, call us at 224-206-8455 and let us know what churches are offering confessions. But we do know in Milwaukee, they're within limited hours, but they are available. You know, go outside. Uh, we're allowed to go for walks, stand six to eight feet apart. It'll work. 
So, I mean, there's lots of people are saying, am I I indifferent to people getting the disease? I mean, absolutely not. I want us to take all the precautions, but I want to say, I think the grocery store clerk is one of the people that's most in danger of getting the coronavirus. That's the person I pray ardently for because they're not six feet away from the other person across from the conveyor belt, all right? And they're handing things back and forth and they're touching stuff and who knows who sneezes and does what. And God bless those people yes. uh, in, the, in, the, in the grocery store. Uh, they're not as protected as, as many healthcare professionals. So we say a priest can't stay say six to eight feet away from someone and hear their confession, but we're putting these glo- grocery clerks in danger day after day after day. Um, of of contracting it. I, I don't get it. I think they need personal protective equipment if the virus is as bad as people say it is. Just to be clear, Dr. Smith, you're, you're not asking any of the priests to be disobedient to the bishops whatsoever. Not at all. I, it seemed to me that uh, we don't even need to think about that yet because there, there, we haven't explored the legal possibilities that are available to us. And, I mean, canon lawyers are now writing a lot about it. There's some very interesting pieces by canon law- lawyers who, who are saying that a priest really doesn't have to obey his bishop who says that he can't hear confessions, that he doesn't have to do that, that he, he's received the power of the sacraments from our Lord, you know, transmitted through the bishops. But once he has it, the only reason the bishop can forbid him from doing that is if he has become personally unworthy of doing that if he's engaged in some sort of misconduct that his faculties are removed from him but if he hasn't has his faculties removed from him he cannot be forbidden to hear confessions i'll let the canon lawyers duke it out but that makes some sense to me and it's 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 very interesting this is again what the 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 um bishops should be doing is they should be putting together a a, a you know a confab of their the 12 best canon lawyers that we've got access to and asking them a series of questions. And one of and one of them is, do the priests have a right, um, and I put the word quotation marks right about it, I'm going to see an obligation, honestly. Do they have an obligation to disobey their bishop when a bishop tells them they can't perform the sacraments? Wow. I, it's very interesting. It's almost cruel, especially during Lent, and I feel the draining of my spirit not being able to go to confession, especially during Divine Mercy Week and the way this whole calendar is going out. It's almost an act of a priest who's willing to hear confessions from a penitent. It's the extra boost not to sin again that I get when I go in there, and it's hard to be deprived of that. Yeah, it, it is. And I mean, I do think there's we have Catholic ways of dealing with these things. Uh, I, I th- uh, I honestly think that, I mean, we, we all know that the number of uh, receptions of sacraments, especially the Eucharist, um, for decades and decades has, have been many, many, many unworthy receptions of the sacrament. Uh, people who receive the sacrament without having gone to confession, they've committed mortal sins. People have um, unconfessed mortal sins. They may have been to confession, but they don't remember that they need to confess their fornication and drunkenness in college. Um so we have a lot of unworthy reception of sacraments, uh, not to mention the lesser unworthy ones that some of us are prone to, like daydreaming as you're going up and thinking what you're going to do with your afternoon while you're receiving the Blessed Sacrament, or you're kind of robotically walking through the ceremony instead of really understanding and make, helping your, making yourself understand what's really happening. So I think we can do we can offer up our pain that seems cruelty, but it pain. We can offer up our pain in reparation for our own unworthy reception of sacraments and the unworthy reception of sacraments of others. 
I think that's a very good way for us to look at it. We, uh, it is a great gift and a privilege um, to receive um, the sacraments. And in a certain sense, we are not worthy. That's even more reason why we need them, of course. The right. more unworthy you are, the more you need them. And that's what the bishops need to be concerned with. We need to be concerned with how do I incorporate this into my spiritual life so that I benefit rather than am harmed by this situation. But the bishops should be working as hard as they can to make that we have make sure we have access to to the sacraments. Well, Dr. Smith, you've been a wonderful guest. We're coming up to the top of the hour. Maybe just to summarize, maybe just tell our audience where people can view the letter and any other questions that they may have, how can they find out more about you? It's not about me. This is all about trying to get more access to the sacraments. Uh, fully, it, it, it will, let me just first, you go to the website that says we are an Easter people. We are an Easter people.com. And you will find there an open letter to sign to the bishops. You will also find there a message to our bishops that is making our case about why we think it's uh, so important. And just to remember that we do not want to endanger anyone, and we only want these things done if there's no more danger and probably less danger there is in a lot of other activities that are permitted during this crisis. And we want it to be recognized by our bishops that access to the sacraments should be considered one of those essential services and that we want as much access to an essential service as we can safely get in this time of the coronavirus crisis. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Smith. You've been a wonderful guest and we wish you all the best and we will certainly be circulating that website. So thank you very much and God bless you. Thank you. It's good. Thank you for all your questions and the opportunity. All righty. Bye-bye now. This has been WSFI Spotlight. For more information on this or any other program, email info at wsfiradio.org.